He's back like a bad rash. Legendary broadcaster, Drew Marshall. Thanks for tuning in. You are listening to the Drew Marshall Show. Imagined as a sequel to the Old and New Testaments of the Bible, The Last Testament, which is this book that we're chatting about, features visual accounts and stories of seven men around the world who claim to be the second coming... Wow. <laughs> second coming... Coming to Christ. Ow! Talk about kiss my tail. The second coming of Jebus Christ. Uh, Building on biblical form and structure, chapters dedicated to each Jesus include excerpts of their scriptural testaments, laying out their theology and demands on mankind in their own words. And the guy behind the book joins us right now. His name is Jonas Bendixson, and he takes at face value that each one of these uh, messiahs is the true messiah returned to earth. Now, that's the interesting part. Like, how do you fake that? If it was me doing what you did, I mean, I'm just, I'm a, I'm such a skeptic. I don't know if I could allow myself just to take everything at face value. How did you do that? Well, you, you know, this um, faith has, has always been a, a mystery to me. You know, I didn't grow up with faith myself, you know, and you could say I've always been the sort of a skeptic as well, sort of slave to rationality and, and science and these kind of things uh but but this whole project came out of a, a sort of urge i had to sort of explore faith you know to see what it what is it like to believe what can you believe in etc etc uh and and, and I, I guess i went uh, into it with just as much openness as i could you know i mean in a way is it any different to go into these societies with the people who believe that they have the messiah living among them is that for definition any any different than going into any church society and dealing with people sort of with openness and respect (laughs) in a way i don't really see you know i i'm not able to see why sort of their claims of sort of you know having this faith of jesus christ uh, having returned is so different from any other thing people believe around that's that's so interesting you say that because what i what i hear you saying is just because something is archaically in the past it doesn't necessarily mean that there should be an automatic reverence to it as compared to someone who is potentially walking around the earth right now being a god of some sort or a messianic figure of some sort and i think what we've done is you know it's been two thousand years since uh, things have gone down here, and Tim, do you understand what I'm saying? Um, no, you don't. Do I, you? I, I think I do, in the sense that you know, they do they deserve respect just because it happened before, or do they have mm-hmm. to earn new respect, that kind of thing. Yeah, because they've been dead for so long. Yeah, I mean, look at the way we talk about people at funerals; they're perfect. Well, look at the way we talk about old school music. Right, same thing. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, anyway. Yeah, uh, Jonas, how did you pick your messiahs? Because there's more than just seven messiahs out there walking around. 
Well, you know, I mean, you could walk into any mental institution uh, anywhere and find people who say they're Jesus, right? Yeah. In a, in a yep. moment of a psychosis or, or something like that. But, you know, I, I try to filter out those cases by applying some criteria. So, you know, the people I wanted to go visit were people who, A, have already put their sort of revelation and claims out there in the public sphere. Uh, it had to be people who had a consistent revelation over a very long period of time. I mean, most of the, the, the messiahs that I met uh, had sort of lived as such for, for decades, okay? Huh. And, and and it had to be people who had sort of a comprehensive theology uh, put forth in scripture and, and this kind of thing. And, and most of them have also, you know, a number of followers. When you apply those filters, actually, I, there's not that many more than the seven I was able to find. There are a couple of more, uh, a few closed doors, a few people I didn't gain access to, etc. But uh, it's not like hundreds of these guys or even dozens uh that 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 would fit the bill okay so how do you approach these messiahs because some of them are pretty remote and it's not like you're going to shoot them a little email and says hey messiah i want to come with uh you know some photography stuff and i want to hang out and study and and kind of then write about it i'm sure some of them would have said well first of all how do you get a hold of them and then number two why would they say yes to having you come i guess they're that it would tap into maybe their narcissism where oh i get to have a little fame a little more exposure and it would Did you help mention the other ones when you called them yes i was talking right. to jesus the other day and he suggested <laughs> you yeah so jonas well, actually, in, in many cases, it, it, it happened just along the same lines as it just sketched out. I mean, I, I would write them an email. Uh, some of them have websites. Some of them are, are, are not so hard to find, even though they live remotely. You know, they, they have a sort of outreach program to the world, and, and they're not that hard to track down digitally. So in some cases, it was just like that. In other cases, it was more like, okay, I, I, I Googled all over the world to try to find people like this, and I found maybe a, you know, a small article in a small South African local newspaper that, that told about one of these guys, and then I, I basically had to go on uh, very little information and just try it out. Okay, uh, but you know, wh why, why would they be interested in me coming around? Uh, well, you know, I mean, they, they truly believe that, that uh, they are what they say they are, and, and, and they are here, you know, to, to spread this uh, message to humanity, not only locally, but wherever they are. And they, I think they saw it as a, a useful thing that I would come there and, uh, you know, I could function somehow as a photographic uh, apostle somehow. Hmm. All right, we've got to get into a story here. And I know here's the difficulty in interviewing you, Jonas. If you tell us all the stories about all the messiahs that you interviewed and hung out with, why would we get the book? So I, <laughs> I, want, the people, I want people to get your book, so don't give us too much, but man, we need some candy. We need some stories. Tell us, tell us something about a few of the messiahs. I mean, could I start off with who was the nuttiest one? Because I can't even ask that because you went in with not being judgmental and not being too critical. So Exactly, yeah. No, no, I mean... Uh, by the way, you know, the book is 460 pages, so, you know, we don't have that much time, okay, uh, right, you know, right. so, so there's no risk <laughs> uh, of exhausting all the material. But, uh, you know, to put it like that, you know, I could start to write at the beginning. The first Messiah that I, I visited was uh, was Moses, 
in South Africa. Uh, uh, now, now his name is Moses, but but I mean he was born Moses, but he is Jesus. I mean it's a little bit confusing that actually there was there was a quote in that uh, first article that I read about him uh, in, in in like I said South African local newspaper that talked about. Uh, him and told his story and had an interview with his auntie who had basically raised Moses and she was very unhappy about Sir Moses uh, going off in the 90s and saying he was uh, Jesus so so they asked her uh, you know what she thought of that and she says oh it's a terrible terrible thing this because you know I mean I raised Moses not Jesus parting <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so, water uh, making wine get, get, choose one pick one but, you know, so, so when I went down there, I met him. He lived in a three-bedroom house uh, in the KwaZulu-Natal province with some six, seven of his uh, most uh, trusted disciples. Uh, I went there with a, a sort of translator from Johannesburg, a very hip young woman named uh, Zandi. Uh, so we arrived there, and, you know, we didn't know if he would uh, receive us well, uh, but he certainly did. He was very, very kind to us. And, and um, you know, when when the first evening was over, you know, we hadn't booked a hotel or anything. So so we asked Moses, you know, what what do we do? Is there any lodgings nearby or whatever? Uh, so Moses, though, he, he said sort of, uh, well, Zandi, to my translator, uh, you you can sleep in uh, in in the bed with all the female disciples because they sort of shared one big bed in one bedroom. Uh, all the male disciples shared one big bed in the other bedroom, and Moses had sort of a more regal bedroom off to the side. Uh, so he said, "Yeah, it's done. sleep with the uh, with female disciples, but uh, Jonas, you know, uh, we don't have so much space. But uh, you know, I have plenty of space left here on the left hand side of my bed. Uh, so." Uh, so I'm one of the very few people who can say that I've uh, slept. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ah, wow. What a bit. Well, that's and funny. Nice. How many times have you told that story? That's just crazy uh, funny. Uh, Too funny. Okay. Who was the one Messiah, quote unquote, that gave you pause to think? They, that they just There's something about them that you went, oh, hold on. It's easy to kind of joke at this one or maybe laugh at that one, but I'm trying to keep an open mind. But this one, there's something, something going on here. Yeah. Trust me when I say, I mean, that happened many times. I mean, it was every single visit with these people was somehow thought provoking. And, uh, okay, if I'm going to pull out one, you know, I went out to um, Siberia. There's a messiah there called Visarion. And he's been out there since uh, 1990. Okay, so I mean, he he used to be a, a, actually a former traffic policeman in the Siberian town of Minusinsk, and then uh, you know he he lost that job in 90, uh, 1988, and then two years later in nineteen ninety, just as the Soviet Union was sort of collapsing around him, he had the revelation that he was uh, the son of God, and he started preaching to to the Siberian people, and and people were attracted to him. You know, it's pretty charismatic guy, and and they set up in the nineties this sort of utopian kind of off-the-grid society way out, you know, in, in, in the Siberian wilderness. They cut, you know, 25 miles of road through the forest and set up this village, uh, these villages out there. And today they number some five, 6,000 followers who live with Visarian out there in, in, in the Siberian woods. And there was just something about this society. I mean, it resembled 
something like a, a sort of a hippie utopia somehow, you know, I mean, they, everyone farmed their own food, built their own houses and, and sort of had a very communal spirit full of maybe what you would call neighborly love somehow, you know, in mm. uh, almost like a cashless society out there. And and it was just so beautiful, you know, it had they had all these rituals outside living in packed with nature choir music a lot of artists and sort of creative people have gone out there so it's all very beautiful and and there was something about him or, or there was something about the society that these people had created around him which was so seductive that you know i thought many times like wow you know i mean i i could go live in this place you know this, this really was something special that was beyond uh, almost any community I've, I've ever visited, and you know, I've traveled quite a bit, and it made me think, you know, okay, sort of, sort of like, does it really matter if he is the Messiah or not? Hmm. You, you know, I mean, like, you know, I, I, and that that's sort of, you know, I I might still be my skeptical self, you know, I might still be, you know, a man of little faith in a way, uh, but you know, what what's changed for me maybe in this process is is. You know, I always used to be the guy who, who who was damn sure that no matter what the situation before me, I would think that sort of one of the most important questions to figure out is, is it true or not? Hmm. You know, is he the Messiah or isn't he? A binary uh, answer. Kind of thing. And after some of these visits to several of these communities, I kind of, I'm not so sure. You know, is that the most important question in, in this case, like to figure out? if he is the son of God or not, or doesn't it really matter? Mm -hmm. I mean, because it kind of enriches these guys' lives and they have kind of created something truly unique that maybe is a society that, you know, we could all learn something from. So interesting. So interesting. And now here's another great angle, not an angle, but a, I guess a side to, to Jonas's work here. And by the way, we're speaking with Jonas Bendixson. He is the author of The Last Testament, The Truth Shall Set You Free. His website is uh, JonasBendixon.com. So that's J-O-N-A-S-B-E-N-D-I-K-S-E-N. And if you don't have time to write that down, just go to our website and click on today's show and you'll see that information there. But Jonas is an all-star photographer and the pictures yeah, he's beautiful. grabbed are phenomenal. Just amazing. And you were able to grab moments in your pictures, just not shots. And so I think that's a, another thing that needs to be said about your work. Uh, really well done, Jonas. Uh, so listen, as a guy who's gone around to, I don't know, hundreds of churches around the world, I have seen many preachers who act like messiahs. And with them, the word messiah, see, this is where I do separate the Jesus of the recorded scriptures that we see in the Judeo-Christian Bible, or the New Testament, obviously, more more specifically, the difference is that I don't remember Jesus being about money, sex, and power. As a matter of fact, he said stuff like, it's really hard for a rich dude to get to heaven. If you want to be big, get small. Uh, the least of these are the people that we need to worry about. And I, I don't know, people have made all sorts of suggestions on Jesus' sex life. It was clear that that wasn't a big part of his life. Well, he was an incredibly great respecter of women, especially in the society back then. Sure. Gender, he was all about, you know, anyway. My point is that these preachers that, are, that we see, especially the TV preachers, I mean, my goodness, how often do, do our heads turn sideways and we go, wait a second. It seems like you're about power. It seems like you're about sex. It seems like you're about money. So any of the, of the messiahs that you hung out with, 
This is a North American phenomenon in many ways, but do you also see the money, sex, and power thing following the messiahs that you followed? Well, that's a good question. But that, that you know, in a way, uh, yeah, I had my own prejudice going in, into this yeah, uh, that maybe aligned a little bit with, with what you, you speak about now. Mm-hmm. You know, there is one character in the project that I never got to meet, this guy, Apollo Kiboloi in the Philippines, you know, a guy with six million followers, uh, private jet planes, uh, helicopters, fast tracks of land, and, and you know, you know, I can't speak for him because I never met him, but he, he makes me maybe think more about the things that you, you, you speak of there. Mm. But of the people I met, you know, I mean, the thing is, you know, I'm the godless skeptical guy here. You know, that I, <laughs> that's me, right? So I, my radar is well tuned into, you know, these kind of things, you know, hanky-panky and, and you know, <laughs> people doing it so well. <laughs> I, this, this, I think about sex and money all, all day long, you know. Uh, so, 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 so it's not like I'm shut out from those things. But the thing is, I didn't pick up that vibe with the people I met. I, I just really didn't. And, and, you know, the thing is, if you're talking about sort of people who are manipulators of human souls, right? Yes, yes. You know, I mean, like you say, there are just so many examples of people who do that thing better than these guys. (laughs) You you know, I mean, like, in in general, these guys lived pretty small. You know, they lived uh, pretty frugally and they didn't have, you know, vast opulence or like, I didn't pick up that sort of, it was a, you're with us or against us kind of thing. And I witnessed situations where I just thought, these guys, if, if they were doing this to kind of get something from these people, then, then they were pretty useless at it because they would have <laughs> done it. They wouldn't have just improvised and kind of bumbled along. Whereas it seemed like, that wasn't so much on their minds in many cases. So interesting. So interesting. Man, this is great stuff. And I'm actually quite jealous. I, I would love to do what you have done and travel around and hang out with the various messiahs. And I think I would... Well, but I, I, I tell you, uh, their door is open. Yeah. You just go there, you know. I'll send along the address and, uh, and they're waiting for you. <laughs> well, I, I was about to say, I, I think I could stomach it more if they were non-North American messiahs. Most of them were. non-Western. No, no. Most of your messiahs were not from North America, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah were, That's what I'm saying. What, okay, well, Tim, what I'm saying is I could stomach it more. I could do this, yeah. hang out with messiahs around the world if they weren't from North America. I know that's what he did, but I'm just saying I don't want to hang out with messiahs from North America. No, neither do I. I. You know what I mean? So, um, Jonas, so good to chat with you. Uh, Jonas Ben Dixon, author of The Last Testament, The Truth Shall Set You Free, and his website is J-O-N-A-S Ben Dixon, B-E-N-D-I-K-S-E-N.com. Really good to chat with you, Jonas. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Uh, Pleasure. All the best. Bye-bye.